This is Shine On, the health and happiness show with Casey, an Ella's Leash production. Shine On is a weekly presentation with guests, ideas, information, and fun designed to improve your life from 100.7 WHUD. Hi, it's Casey. Thanks for tuning in to Shine On today. For those of you who enjoy when we get a little out there, you're going to like what's ahead today. A modern-day mystical experience led Reiki master Brett Bevel to possess a new tool for healing, and he's happy to share it with you. We're going to learn about the Reiki crystal from the man who teaches at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, and Brett has a Reiki weekend coming up in June. But we're going to start today with some practical advice from a little gray book called Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous. Here in over 400 pages, you will meet people who will tell their heartfelt stories of having lost control when it comes to eating. People of every age and background can suffer from food obsession. Admitting that you're powerless is the first step. The curious can take a peek at foodaddicts.org. The decisive will walk into a meeting one day soon. Lisa is here to tell us about this group that she loves so much. Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous has been a member since April of 2009. And what made you choose to take this step? I was struggling on a, on a daily basis with feeling overwhelmed with my inability to follow a, a healthy diet or food plan, the shame that came around committing, I was going to start, I was going to start that diet, that healthy eating tomorrow. And each day it, I was just unable to stick to what, what I knew was healthy for me, what I knew was going to work for me. And it was hard. It was, it was really hard to continually be gaining weight and my clothes kept getting tighter and I had to keep buying larger sizes and I felt really frustrated with myself. You mentioned shame. Where does that come into the equation? For me, it came into the equation because I was hiding what I was eating from my husband and my family. They knew that I wanted to eat healthier and to lose weight, and I was unable to do so. I would buy things at the grocery store and, you know, eat them on the way home and hide the boxes or bags or the wrappers in my car or in the garbage. And and it just felt shameful to be hiding, hiding what I was doing with food. I just couldn't, I couldn't really stop. Right. How long has this been a problem in your life? Food addiction is really a spiritual, mental, and physical condition. And so for me, I had a lot of some insecurities that I turned to food to help with. Back, I can trace it all the way back to about fourth grade. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm shaking my head because I think fourth grade... For a lot of things, that's, that's you know, when you start to have a different kind of self-awareness, that's when a lot of stuff goes down. I remember, Lisa, being in the fourth grade, if I would get freaked out or stressed, I'd go to the corner store and buy potato chips and eat yeah. them walking home. So no one knew yeah. I ate them. Today, I am no longer in the fourth grade. <laughs> and when I get stressed, <laughs> I go to the store and buy potato chips and eat them on the way home and, hot, yeah. and throw the bag away. And then my husband will get in the car and say, had a few potato chips because there's crumbs everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's funny that so many of the habits that we have as adults, we have been carrying around a bad habit for a really long time. What, mm-hmm. what is the bedrock of food addicts in recovery? What do you stand on? Is it self-love? Food addicts and recovery anonymous 
stands on the foundation that I'm powerless over food and that my life has become unmanageable. And so the, the bedrock is to to really surrender, follow a food plan and a spiritual and mental program based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, modified for FA, and to take it one day at a time to follow the suggestions of those who've gone before me in this program and who have successfully gotten freedom from food. Mm. And it's it's very sim- very similar to Alcoholics Anonymous, just we need to abstain from our drug, which is food, in, in a different way because we can't eliminate eating. We right. have to consume food. So, And we consume very healthy, balanced, whole foods, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, proteins, but we do it in a way that is weighed and measured so we have some guidance around that. We're talking to Lisa from Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, and it's so true what you say. You can you can avoid vodka in life, but yep. you, you cannot avoid breakfast. Right. So Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous is has been a solution I've maintained a 50-pound weight loss for nine years, and I have neutrality and freedom, of mental freedom, physical freedom from my food addiction one day at a time by working this program of Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous. When you say freedom, I get goosebumps because it's wonderful to be free of something you've been carrying around since the fourth grade. Absolutely. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. I was not smiling or happy when I came into this program of Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous nine years ago. I had everything was beautiful. I had a beautiful husband, a beautiful son, a beautiful job, and I just felt sad and frustrated and shameful every day. Today, I, I have lightness and happiness and freedom. How did you feel when you first walked into the rooms? I felt uh, afraid. Mm-hmm. Uh, anxious, um, nervous, I wasn't sure. I, I was afraid someone would see me. I know that sounds silly, I, but when I first went to a Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous meeting and sat in the chair and listened to other food addicts who had recovery sharing their experience, strength, and hope, I felt like I had come home. Mm. And I knew that I knew that this was something that I wanted to try. You felt like you had come home. I'll tell you, my husband is uh, 20 years sober, October Mm -hmm. 1st, by the grace of God, and anyone who listens to this show knows that I'm a huge fan of the 12 Steps, huge, huge fan, um, and all the different types of meetings that they offer. And it is so true that if you're going through something and you can find your way to a 12-step meeting and keep your mind open, because a lot of people walk in and say, these people are not my people. You know? Right. Yes. <laughs> I'm, yes. I'm not like them. Yes. So if you can right. get yourself to the second or third meeting, you find yes. that everybody's telling your story. Right. Everybody's singing your song. Here you thought there was something no one in the world could understand, and then you find the people who understand it so intimately. All right. Um, right. Would it benefit people just to pick up the book, or do they need to go to the meetings too? Picking up the book? You can go to foodaddicts.org online and order the book. That's a great start. The website, foodaddicts.org, has meetings and all over the United States and all over the world. So going to a meeting, you don't have to join. There's no fee. You just go. You sit and, and listen. See if it's something that, that sounds 
like it would be for you. Do you guys have meetings you can call into on the phone? No, there's there's something really profound about being in a room and seeing the physical recovery and seeing the spiritual recovery just in someone's eyes, the clarity of seeing somebody face-to-face. As addicts, we're often isolators, so there's something very powerful about being in a room with other people. Gotcha. The stories in this book are so touching. The generosity of the people sharing their stories, that's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful book. And it has stories from people all ages, all walks of life, giving a perspective that even if there isn't someone that you you feel is your hurt people when you go to your first meeting, I think the book gives a very um, good, broad scope of, of that this experience of coming into Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous at at different ages or, you know, different circumstances of life. Now, Lisa, you've been there since 2009. Yes. When are you going to stop going? I hope that I can continue going to Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous until the day I pass away. Why? It is such a gift to be able to give to others what has been so generously given to me. And, you know, my physical, spiritual, and mental well-being really relies on me continually giving back and, and working the 12 steps. Being a part of this program is, is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I wouldn't ever want to stop going to meetings or being a part of the program. And the first step is surrender. Admitting I'm powerless over food and that my life has become unmanageable to some degree. I was very accomplished in many areas, but when it came to food... I was completely powerless. Thank you, Lisa. I'm so grateful to talk to you. I'm so grateful to bring this book into the spotlight today. And go ahead, take a minute and invite people who are thinking, ah, maybe I should go to a meeting. Talk to them and tell them what to do. Yes, you can go to www.foodaddicts.org. Find a meeting. Come to the meeting. Anyone would love to have you there. There's no pressure. Just come and see if it's something that could maybe help you. All are welcome. And Casey, thank you so much for giving us the time to, you know, talk about this and and introduce it. I wish I had heard about Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous um, many, many years ago, you know, before I found it. So thank you for helping spread the word. That's Lisa from Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, foodaddicts.org. I have the little gray book. If you'd like to win a copy, send me an email from the website casey.co, K-A-C-E-Y.co. And here's to a happy and healthy new year. Next, healing with the Reiki crystal. Brett Bevel shares his mystical experience and how it can help you. Next. Picture streams in our community. That's where our kids play and dogs splash. And some of these streams provide the water we drink. But is the water in these streams clean and safe? The truth is, for most local streams, no one knows. That's a problem. One the Isaac Walton Lake can help you solve with the Clean Water Challenge. For almost 50 years, the Isaac Walton League of America has helped people just like you test the water in local streams, clean up pollution, and protect healthy waters. Today, the Isaac Walton League has an ambitious new goal. Engage volunteers across the country to test 100,000 more streams for pollution. You can protect clean water in our community by joining the Clean Water Challenge. To get involved, visit iwla.org. That's iwla.org. 
Hi, it's Casey. Looking forward to shining on with you for an entire weekend, March 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, at the Mariandel Retreat Center in Ossining, New York. Come light your inner fire and send floating lanterns up into the sky. We are going to find our heart's desire and fan the flames of health and happiness. Come with a friend or come by yourself. You will meet great friends there, I guarantee that. And also, too, join A Circle of Women on Facebook and get to know some of the peeps who are already signed up and ready to go for March 2nd, 3rd, and 4th in Ossining. Now we welcome back Brett Bevel. He is one of the leading Reiki experts in the Northeast. He's written books on Reiki and teaches at Omega Institute. In fact, you can sign up for his June Reiki weekend at eomega.org. If you're not familiar with Reiki, start with the belief that there is a loving, healing energy that exists in the universe waiting to connect with you. If you can't believe that, come see me for a Reiki session and I'll introduce you to it. But for now, just suspend your disbelief for a few minutes and imagine that Reiki energy exists and that this healing practice was made known by Mikao Yusui of Japan decades ago. Brett had a very personal encounter with this energy and he calls it the Reiki crystal. Yeah, so the Reiki crystal is uh, something that came to me when I was traveling in Laos in 2007, and I had a mystical experience where I felt uh, the presence of Mikawasui, the founder of Reiki, and I felt from him a, a ball of white light go into the area of my heart chakra. And I didn't realize immediately what that was, but what happened over the next period of months was a discovery that, that what I had from him was an energetic crystal, not a physical crystal, but an energetic crystal made out of the light that is Reiki existing in front of my heart chakra, and that I could use that crystal to basically send Reiki to myself or to others, bypassing a lot of the traditional symbols that are used for sending, and that I could basically access this crystal simply through speaking to it either verbally or just talking to it in my own mind telepathically. And I really worked with this for a long period of time, sharing it with some staff at Omega Institute where I work, and it, they found it to be very effective. I would also use it in some of the R&R classes that I teach at Omega, and again, people seem to love it and find it to be really powerful, so I've now written a book about it called Psychic Reiki that explores all the different things that you can do with it. When you were in Laos and you received this feeling, uh, how, yeah. did, how did you know it was from Yusui himself? It was just, a, I, I mean, for me, I'm very intuitive, and it was just a feeling. It wasn't that I could see his face. It was just this, this sense of a presence. I was also, at, the, at that time, doing the, the final edits on my first Reiki book, so I was very immersed in kind of a Reiki mindset. You know, for me, what sort of the proof of the pudding is how effective the technique is, that it's quite powerful, and uh, the feedback I've had from people that I work with is pretty amazing. So do you think that this was Yusui and the Reiki energy acknowledging you for the work you've done in the field? I guess, or maybe it was just the, the, uh, uh, the way I look at it is this, this particular technique. You know, I don't see it in competition with traditional Reiki. I see it as just another way for people to access the energy of Reiki. And maybe it came through me just because I was open to that as a possibility. I don't really know, you know, why why he picked me. But I do know that, uh, again, that the, the technique is, is pretty powerful and pretty effective. Okay. Um, what were you doing when it happened, when you had this feeling? Um, I was literally sitting and having lunch by myself. I was traveling by myself, and I was eating lunch in uh, Luang Prabang, which is the former royal capital of Laos, a very beautiful town with a lot of Buddhist temples. And I was just sitting by myself having lunch, and I felt this presence appear before me right across from the table. I was, again, by myself, and I just felt this 
powerful ball of white light go into the area of my heart chakra. And in the weeks after that, I began first getting downloads of information of new possibilities with Reiki that eventually became my second book called Reiki for Spiritual Healing. But it wasn't really for a number of months that I realized that there was an actual energetic crystal that came as part of that download. So it was really, it took me a while to totally unpack everything about that experience. So this energetic crystal, it's in your body, it's outside of your body? It's just a couple inches in front of your heart chakra, so just a couple inches in front of the center of your chest. And it's always there? Once you're empowered to it, yes, it's there. Okay. You know, I would be the type of person, this is why he didn't give it to me, okay? I'd be the type of person waking up saying, is it still there? (laughs) (laughs) Did I lose it? You know? (laughs) Oh, all right. So this is not an experience very different from the experience that Yusui himself had. Do you know that story? Can you share that story? I mean, I know that he, he fasted for 21 days at a, in a sacred mountain in uh, in Japan, and then he had, yeah, sort of a mystical experience where this, uh, you know, the way it was explained to me by my first Reiki masters was seeing sort of bubbles of light coming from the heavens that carried the, the energy of the symbols. You know, and then after that, he had the, the gift of Reiki. And Reiki existed before that, yes? Yeah, I mean, to me, I just think, of, you know, Reiki, again, you, you translate it from Japanese, it can be translated in two ways. The most popular way it's translated is, is universal life force energy, which of course is just going to exist regardless of where, whether we're tapping into it or not. And the other way it can also be translated is, is divine life force energy, which I resonate a little bit more with because to me I really feel it is coming from the divine. All right. Divine life force energy. Divine life force energy. Now you have this Reiki crystal. You're using it and you also mentioned the term symbols. Explain what the symbols are. Sure. So in traditional Reiki training, there are symbols that the person uh, learns at the second level. They learn a symbol that makes the energy flow stronger, a symbol that allows you to focus it for mental, emotional healing, and a symbol that allows you to send it distantly across time and space. And then at the higher level, at the master level, a person learns even more symbols to learn then how to use those symbols to empower others to Reiki. So in traditional Reiki, there, there are six symbols that are often used, you know, again, depending on, on what technique you're using at that given point in time. And with this uh, Reiki crystal, it, it really bypasses the need for symbols. And again, I still love traditional Reiki. I still teach traditional Reiki. But what I like about the Reiki crystal is that it's so accessible uh, to anyone. And um, one thing that I found in my many years of Reiki teaching was that often really wonderful students would stop their their progress forward because maybe at the first degree they found the hand positions to be too complex, or maybe at the second degree the the complexity of, of one symbol in particular would be too hard for them to memorize. So they would kind of stop their Reiki journey, which was really sad to me because they were really wonderful people, and I really wanted them to have this capability to bring healing into their lives and to share that healing with others. Yeah. So the beautiful thing about Reiki crystal is that in bypassing all of that, it just makes it so user-friendly that, you know, you can really access it in ways that are so much simpler than traditional Reiki. But you got the Reiki crystal. How am I going to access it? Well, I mean, I do, I do teach it uh, in, in venues around uh, around the Hudson Valley, and I'll also uh, share it at the Reiki conference at Omega this summer. Uh-huh. But you can get it from the book. So the book has a, an empowerment that is sent through the book to whoever... Uh, wants to receive the Reiki crystal. So there's a particular chapter where you would read a certain passage and touch a certain image, and I have sent the healing empowerment forward in time to whoever does that action, which is a technique that I've also used for some of my other books about healing. And so through that, you be- you become empowered to the Reiki crystal. All right. I'm going to get it. 
<laughs> I'm going to get the Reiki crystal. That, will, it, will it hang out in front of my heart? Is that what it's going to do? It'll, it'll sit there, and, um, you know, whenever I teach this to people, I always say, you know, it's not going to expire in 30 days or anything like that. It will be there from that point forward. You can access it whenever you want. And uh, really, there's so many beautiful techniques about it that, that uh, are quite powerful and wonderful. That's really why I like to share it with people. Okay. So there's, like, three people listening right now. Yeah. Uh, maybe two who are saying, yeah. oh, come on, he's making all this up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, to be honest, when it first came to me, I was very shy about sharing it. And that's why, you know, uh, it came to me in 2007, and this is over 10 years later before I'm really kind of, you know, want to really blow it open out into the world. And that's because, you know, I, I want to make sure that what I'm sharing has integrity and that, that uh, it's really useful and powerful p- for people. So that's why over a number of years I've been sharing with the, the seasonal staff at Omega Institute where I offer energy healing trainings to our staff there. I've been sharing it in the R&R classes at Omega Institute and also share it even online in some of my SoundCloud profiles. Uh, there's ways people can access the Reiki crystal through there. I've also done a, a program on Mind Valley online. Uh, there's Solvana subsidiary where I've done a Reiki crystal class and, and it's it had about almost a thousand people take it and the reviews I've had so far are really amazing. Oh. So, so it definitely works. I mean, there's times when I've done group healings with it at Omega Institute in the R&R program where I've had 30 or 40 people in a room and the impact is, is very palpable. I mean, people are going to very deep places, um, and the kinds of feedback I get are quite amazing. I remember having one person at an R&R class at the Meg Institute come to me once. After the class was done, he, he said, you know, when you were first talking about this in the beginning, I really thought it was all BS, but he said, I, I definitely was feeling stuff, and I definitely uh, thank you for sharing this. Yeah. So, again, I know it sounds a little wacky and a little out of the box, but... Um, for me, the proof is in the, in the pudding that, that these techniques actually work. Yeah. So, um, you know, I just encourage people to at least give it a chance. We're talking to yeah. Brett Bevel. His new book is called Psychic Reiki. That will be coming out in the spring. And I guess, I guess we have to start with the belief that there is divine energy in the universe that wants to connect with us. Yes. Again, that's the premise, you know, that uh, in, in traditional Reiki, even, even very traditional uh, Reiki healers will often say that Reiki has its own divine intelligence, that it knows what to do and where to go. So if you can imagine a crystal made out of that light that has that same intelligence, um, it's going to be able to listen to what you're asking it to do. So you're really, you know, essentially what you're doing is, is the Reiki crystal puts you in psychic communication with the divine intelligence of the energy of Reiki and allows you to just then send it, you know, where you want it to go, uh, literally through a, a, either a mental or verbal request to the crystal. So it's, it's really quite beautiful. All right. So give us some practical uses for it. You're walking down the street. You see somebody who doesn't look so hot. You say, Reiki crystal, send them some divine energy. Can you ever do anything like that? Well, I mean, you could do that, but I'm always I'm always of the belief that you should really have a person's permission before sending any Reiki to them. So I know some people in, in the world of Reiki have different uh, beliefs around that, but I was always taught to really honor a person's free will. So I don't send energy to people unless I have, a, you know, sort of an agreement that they're okay with that. Obviously, in an emergency situation, if I, you know, see somebody in a car accident or something, that would be a different story. But I wouldn't randomly just, you know, throw the energy around at people. What I would do is usually more work on myself with 
with it. Or if I have friends or family, or in my case, also, you know, clients who I work with, obviously there's an agreement there too. So I'll be working with them. And I'll just literally just ask the Reiki crystal to send to that person. And usually what I'll do is specify uh, talking to the different systems of the body. So working first with the brain and nervous system, then moving on to the other systems of the body, such as the circulatory system, the muscular system, etc. And then from there, I'll just simply talk the crystal to working on the chakras, the meridians, the different energetic bodies, mental body, emotional body, karmic body, and so on. And again, the, the kinds of responses that I've had are really, really quite, quite powerful. Um, I've been working recently with a woman on a weekly basis who, when we first started working together, she was in a place of deep depression. She had stage four breast cancer. Now, even though, you know, she still has cancer, but it's much, much smaller now. And the doctors are actually quite amazed that it has shrunk to the level that it has. And um, she's a much brighter person when I talk to her on the phone, like her energy isn't so depressed and down. And, and so it's really a beautiful thing to be able to share that gift with her and, and with others that I work with. Let me ask you this. If there is yeah. divine intelligent energy in the universe yes why doesn't it just go where it needs to go why doesn't it just go to that woman who is ill or to that car accident victim or whatever you know that's a good question and that i think is probably uh i think on some levels it does go there those i think we all or at least in my own life have had those experiences of what many people refer to as grace where you just suddenly feel a presence of, of feeling supported by the universe or a sense of uh, feeling that everything's going to be okay even when you're in your darkest hour. So I think on a certain level, it does exist there already. I think all we're doing as Reiki practitioners, whether it's using traditional Reiki or this Reiki crystal technique, is you're really just helping add more focus to it and you're bringing more intention to it. So you're just simply allowing the energy to focus there in a deeper and more profound way. But I feel like it's always there for us on many levels. I feel like it's really the energy that keeps us alive and it keeps keeps the, the vibrancy happening in the cells of our body from moment to moment. And I think too that part of the human experience is interdependence, that we're supposed to take care of each other. We're supposed to help true. heal each other. It's very true. Brett Bevel, two T's, two L's. Meet him at Omega the first weekend in June. Find more at brettbevel.com. Stay close for our thought for the day. Sensory sensitivity, repetitious behavior, lack of eye contact. You can see signs of autism in children as young as 18 months. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you for shining on today. You can and should subscribe to and rate the podcast at iTunes or SoundCloud.com. I appreciate you tuning in. Our thought for the day is from engineer and physicist Nikola Tesla, who said, If you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. See you next week. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show with Casey, an Ella's Leash production. The content of Shine On, the health and happiness show is intended for general information purposes only. You can listen to previously broadcast shows online at Casey.co. That's K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Join Casey for another edition of Shine On, the health and happiness show next Sunday morning, right here on 100.7 WHUD.